We just got awesome people here. You know, with Nikki, her, uh, her father passed away a la- last Sunday, actually. While we were having our, our service, we got the, the message. Um, but <laughs> uh, Sarah and Haley, they just jumped right in to help. And Haley's even helping this morning. I'm just so thankful for people with humble servant hearts. Um, our family... We are in two, into two television shows right now. I don't know what all you guys watch on TV, but there are two shows that our boys absolutely love. One is The World of Dance. Have you seen? It's pretty awesome. So there are these dancers from all over the world. They come, and it's a dance competition, right? And there's all these different styles of dance, and Jenny from the Block is judging, and it's just good. It's good entertainment. Uh, who else? The guy from Dancing with the Stars, the blonde-haired guy. And then the, the dude with the hat, if you've watched it. Neo? All right, I got, I got to get with it. Neo, it's pretty awesome. So we've been watching that. And then we've been watching Chasing Monsters on Netflix. Ooh, I didn't know we were going to have a picture. I like that. So this is a, a fishing show, and this guy, I don't even know his name, but the, he goes all over the world. I think I'm, maybe I've shared this with you. That's, I don't even know who I am sharing things with anymore, and I'm, I just turned 38. Can you imagine what I'm going to be like at 70? I'm just going to be repeating myself all the time. And you know what? I won't care either because <laughs> you just start not to care. I won't remember. But this show, he goes all over the world. He was fishing in the Amazon, I think, catching piranha on one of the episodes. And he's standing in the water as he's catching piranhas. And when he catches one, he actually shows the power of their jaw. He pulls, he has a hot dog. And he shows this, the force of this piranha eating this hot dog. And he's, he was standing in the water fishing. And then he saw an electric eel. So he had to, like, get to the bank before he got electrocuted. It's just craziness. But they are so into the show. Now, two of the things that these shows have in common is, yeah, I know, it's hard to imagine there's something in common. (laughs) But you have people that are training, and they're going through difficulty to train to be able to go on these adventures, the adventure of dance, the adventure of fishing all over the world and trying to catch some of the biggest fish that there are. And they have to go through a lot of difficulty in order to do that. And it just got me thinking about our passage today and about life itself. Life is an adventure. Some people don't like adventure. My wife is not so big on adventure. It's hard to go hiking with her and the boys because she's so nervous all the time. It stresses me out, right? She's always afraid the boys are going to hurt themselves. Just let them go. They're all right. Boys, and I think this is hopefully not too stereotypical, but I, I think us men, we, we love adventure. Like, it, it brings us alive, you know. And so, but life is an adventure whether you like it or not. It is. And it's, we know that it's full of difficulty. It's full of struggle. And in order for us to persevere in the journey of life, there are some things that we've got to know. Just like this guy Before he goes and fishes at a location, he's talking to people that live there, that have fished there, that know the approach that you need to have in order to 
persevere and catch the fish that he that he's after. So we are going to pray. Then I'm going to read Daniel 12 to you, which is the last chapter of this amazing book. We have made it through. Talk about persevering, right? We have done it. Let's pray, and then I'm going to give you some context to Daniel 12 that you need to understand in order to understand the passage. And then, as always, I'll have some takeaways for us. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we are so glad that you are our guide, that through life, the adventure of life, the ups and downs of life, the, the difficulties and the setbacks, as well as the joys and the mountaintop experiences, you are Lord of all, in that you are a wilderness guide, and you are the one that can sustain us. And Lord, part of the way you sustain us is through your word. And it contains truth that we need to know that acts as a compass for us as we seek to follow you and to live in ways that bring honor and glory to you. Lord, I pray that as we complete this book this morning, that you would speak to us, that you would hide these truths from this passage into our hearts so that we are able to persevere to that glorious future that you have in store for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so to understand Daniel 12, you need to know that Daniel 12 is a continuation of chapters 10, Daniel 10 and, and 11, right? And you may recall if you've been here for the sermon series that in chapters 10 and 11, we have Daniel, he's on the bank of the Tigris River, and he's crying out to God, he's sad, he's upset, he's frustrated. Finally, his people, after 70 years of living in a foreign land in Babylon, they're finally allowed to go back to their homeland, Jerusalem. They start to rebuild the temple, and they experience all this kind of opposition from the people living in and around Jerusalem. And Daniel, living back in Babylon, he learns about this. And he, so he's praying to God, like, what on earth? Why is this happening? We finally get to do this. And now look at this opposition we're experiencing. And so what happened then in Daniel 10 is an, ange an, an, an angelic messenger went to Daniel and explain to Daniel that, look, based, you know, what's going on here in your present circumstances? Look, there's an invisible reality behind your earthly re reality. There's an invisible war going on between God and the forces of good and Satan and his evil agents. And then in Daniel 11... The angel goes on to tell Daniel how human history is going to unfold, was going to unfold for the next several hundred years. And we talked about last week how God, through the angel, wanted Daniel to know that he was in control, that he had it covered, right? And what's crazy is those predictions, that predictive prophecy in Daniel 11, it came to fruition. And actually... Some historians have said that it's so specific 
in its predictions and in its details, and that actually came to pass, that it must have been written after the fact. But I expressed last uh, Sunday how I don't feel like these arguments really hold any water. I think what we truly have is predictive prophecy. If you want to look more into that issue, I can lead you to some great sources for you to read, and and you you can come to your own conclusion. So, here we are at the end of then chapter 11. Now, in verse 36 of chapter 11, many commentators believe that Verse 36 then kind of teleports us to the end of times. And what verse 36 in chapter 11 starts to describe is the end of the world in that and the Antichrist, the man of lawlessness that is to come that the New Testament talks about. The the beast out of the sea that Revelation 13 mentions. Why do scholars think that the end of Daniel 11 is talking about the Antichrist? Because of the similarities of how this evil figure at the end of Daniel 11 is described, the similarities that this figure has with the man of lawlessness that's described in 2 Thessalonians 2, in the beast out of the sea in Revelation 13, in the Antichrist in 1 and 2 John. Look, the end of Daniel 11 says, this evil figure that's going to come at the end of time does as he wills, exalts and magnifies himself above every god, speaks blasphemies against the god of gods, and will seek to destroy and and annihilate many. So this is where Daniel 12 picks up. Daniel 12 is picking up with the end of the world, the end of times, in this evil ruler from Satan that will come. That's where we pick up Daniel 12. So let me read, let me read the passage to you. You'll be happy to know it's not as long as, as Daniel 11. And not nearly as confusing. At that time, Michael shall stand up. You remember who Michael is from previous chapters? He's God's archangel. He's God's most powerful angel, right? The great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. So Michael, the archangel, he watches over God's people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. That's like the stars. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on the river bank and the other on that river bank. Remember, he's at the Tigris River. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river. 
when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. All right. So from this passage, here's what I want to focus on this morning. As history unfolds, the persecution of God's people will greatly intensify. It pumps you up, I know. God allows his people to experience persecution for their benefit. God promises everlasting life to his persecuted people who persevere to the end. So let's look at the first one. As history unfolds, the persecution of God's people will greatly intensify. So in the very last days of the world as we know it, Daniel 12.1 tells us that there's going to be a time of trouble greater than any since nations first came into existence. That's what it tells us. When Daniel heard the one angel speaking to the other angel, he asked, you know, how long this period of this great trouble would last. And and the angel said at the end of verse 7, when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered. This verse tells us that The persecution of God's people is going to get so intense in the last of the last days that God's people, their power will be completely broken, that they're going to be completely without strength, that they're going to have nothing left in the tank. You may may remember that Daniel 7 said this as well. Remember Daniel 7, 25 There, in that verse, it says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, referring to this evil ruler that was to come, and shall persecute the saints of the Most High. Persecute in this verse literally means wear out. You may have a footnote in your Bible that says that. Wear out. He will wear out the saints. Jesus also said this would be the case. Jesus, in in talking about the end in Matthew 24, 21, and 22, says, For there will be great tribulation, such has not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, that's God's people, those days will be shortened. Revelation 13.7 states that it was granted to the beast, the Antichrist, this evil ruler that end of Daniel 11 predicts will come, that it was granted to this evil ruler to make war with the saints and to overcome them. You know, in, in a previous message in this sermon series, I mentioned 
and I talked about the freedom that we have here in America to come to church like we do on Sunday mornings and to worship our great God in peace with no opposition is rather unique when you consider the whole of human history and how much Christians have been persecuted. And I've also, I also told you that it's not always going to be this way, and so we need to buckle up. And we're already seeing signs of a shift happening in our country as more and more people are becoming antagonistic to the Christian faith, right? I also shared with you before that according to Open Doors, an organization that helps persecuted Christians throughout the world, that 215 million Christians experience high levels of persecution right now as we speak. 215 million. We are such an anomaly here in America. This represents 1 in 12 Christians worldwide. Every month, 255 Christians are killed, 104 are abducted, 180 Christian women are raped, sexually assaulted, or forced into marriage. 66 churches are attacked. 160 Christians are detained without trial and imprisoned. And Daniel 12 tells us, that the persecution of God's people is only going to become more intense as history unfolds. And it will reach a climax at the end of the end of our time. You know, our American culture tells us that life should be easy. It should be comfortable. It should be pleasurable. That if you just buy this product, if you just subscribe to this service, if you just make these changes, then things will go smoothly. Things will be easy. And then we Americans, we're shocked when difficulty comes, aren't we? We are shocked when difficulty comes our way. It's because we have so bought into this lie that life should be easy, that life should be comfortable, that life should be pleasurable. That pain and suffering and difficulty are not the norm of experience and no way should be the normal experience. I believe our perspective needs to change. We have to expect life to be difficult. Not with the pessimistic attitude that says, you know, there's some people, those Eeyores that uh, everything's going to go wrong, and there it goes again. And those people suck the life right out of you. If you're one of them, you got to change. I'm serious. Not saying that kind of pessimistic, just negative attitude, but I'm saying that realistic attitude we need to have that understands that Jesus said we are going to have trouble in this world. And if we understand that we are in a battle, then when difficulty or persecution strikes, it's less likely to completely and utterly overwhelm us. You know, an illustration comes to mind. The marathon runner, right, goes out, he runs, he's in his marathon race, and pain starts to come. And it's horrible pain. And at mile 19, his body is screaming, stop now, stop now. Do those pains hurt? Sure. Is the suffering real? Sure. Is he completely and utterly overwhelmed? No. Why? Because he expects it. He knew it was coming. It doesn't 
shock him and catch him by surprise. You know, life is so hard for us. I once heard somebody say, life is so hard for us because we expect it to be so easy. Quit expecting it to be easy. Have the realistic attitude that you're in a dogfight. Are you surprised when things go wrong? Are you surprised when you encounter all kinds of roadblocks and setbacks? Daniel was so frustrated in chapters 10 through 12 because he thought that once the Jews were allowed to go back to Jerusalem, it was going to be easy peasy, right? They'd be able to go back. um, They'd be able to build the temple. The things would just go smoothly. Look, we need to understand that it's not going to be easy. Think about this. How different might your weeks be if you started them expecting difficulty to come your way? And you started them with not only expecting difficulty, but with a commitment to rise above those difficulties. Bill, a friend of mine out in California, you've heard me talk about him before. He's written a prayer that can be very helpful in assisting us to in having, you know, to taking on and grabbing a hold of this realistic attitude that expects difficulty and is, and is committed to overcoming it. I've shared this prayer with you before, but it's valuable enough to share with you again. He calls it the apprentice prayer. Let's check it out. Jesus, I love you. Father, I adore you. Holy Spirit, I rely on you. Thank you, Jesus, for your cross. Thank you, Father, for your eternal love. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence and power. Holy Trinity, I praise you. Lord Jesus, you're my teacher. I seek to live as your apprentice in all that I do today. My life is your school for teaching me. I relinquish my agenda for this day, and I submit myself to you in your kingdom purposes. In all situations, I abandon outcomes to you, praying your will, your way, your time. Dear Father, I ask you to ordain the events of this day and use them to make me more like Jesus. I ask and trust you, Sovereign Lord, that you won't let anything happen to my family or me today except that it passes through your loving hands. So no matter what problems, hardships, or injustices I face today, help me not to worry or get frustrated, but instead to relax in the yoke of your providence. Yes, today I will, re- re- I will rejoice because I am in your eternal kingdom. You love me and you are teaching me. My creator and redeemer, I devote my whole self to you. I want to be all and only for you, Jesus. Today I love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, and all my relationships. Today I depend on you, Holy Spirit, not my own resources. Help me to keep, step, keep in step with you. Today I look to love others as you love me. Dear God, blessing everyone I meet, even those who mistreat me. Today, I'm ready to lead people to follow you, Jesus. Amen. What if this was the prayer? What if this was the perspective that this prayer contains that you encountered each day with? I bet it would be very rare for you to be overcome by adversity. Look, if we're going to finish the the race of faith, if we're going to persevere to the end... 
we have to understand that as history unfolds, it's going to get more and more difficult to live as a Christian in this world. And that trouble and difficulty are going to be the norm. You also need to know this, takeaway number two. God allows his people to experience persecution for their benefit. Look, Daniel wasn't too excited to hear that at the end of day, Satan was going to send an evil ruler that would greatly persecute God's people. You're probably not excited to hear about that. And this is why, in order to persevere through difficulty, we not only need to know that it's going to be difficult, so we're not so shocked and overwhelmed when it comes, but we also need to know this. We need to know the why behind the suffering and the persecution and the difficulty. We need to know its purpose. We need to know its intended result. We need to know the goal. Back to the marathon runner illustration, right? So the marathon runner, as he trains, of course, I don't know this by experience, but I hear about it. Um, as he trains, he's, he puts his body through a whole bunch of rigorous training that's difficult and challenging and hard. And the reason he is willing to do this is because the marathon runner knows the why behind the training. The why, the purpose, is so that he can have a body that's healthy enough and strong enough that he can run the marathon when it comes. That's what enables him to keep pushing and to persevere and to get through the training. Could you imagine a marathon runner totally just beating his body up through this training and had no idea why he was doing it? He's not going to persist through the difficulty of the training. He needs to know the why behind it. He needs to know and be convinced of that his training is the best possible way to produce the best possible results for him as a runner. That's the only way he's going to persevere. Now look, to persevere in this life, in this race of faith that we are in, we need to know as we encounter difficulty and as we might encounter persecution— that God has a purpose in allowing us to experience it. We need to know that there is a result that he is working us towards. If we're going to be able to bear it. Daniel needed to know too. That's why in verse 8, Daniel wanted to know the purpose of the suffering that God's people were going to experience in the last of the last days and this is what Daniel says in that verse, Daniel 12, 8. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? In other words, God, I don't understand why you're allowing this difficulty to happen right now. And I don't understand why you're going to allow this intense persecution to happen in the future. What are you seeking to accomplish? I do not get it. Check out God's response in Daniel 12, 9 and 10. And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. And then check this out. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. God didn't give Daniel a long-winded response, did he? God didn't tell him all the ins and outs as to why things were going the way they were going. To us, because 
And I know that we would love to know more than what we do know, what God reveals to us, because in our hearts we want to be God ourselves, and that's part of the problem. But God tells us what we need to know, and this is what you need to know. He is refining you. He is purifying you. He is making you white. That's why he's allowing your difficulty, and that's why he'll even allow this intense persecution in the future. That's what Daniel needed to know. He didn't need to know all the probably thousands of factors that played into God making that decision. He just needed to know that that was the intended result. That was the purpose. That's what you need to know. If God were to tell Daniel all the thousands probably of reasons as to why he was allowing it, Daniel probably wouldn't understand anyways. I heard this description. It's not a perfect illustration, but when you tell your kid to stop putting their finger in the electrical outlet, you say stop, right? Do you go and you explain electric how electric works and how the electric gets to the outlet and how that all happens? No, because the kid wouldn't understand anyways, right? Think, I, think of how far and above I am mentally with my understanding than Elijah and Isaiah. I know that's debatable in some days. <laughs> think about how much greater God is than us. Like, it, I mean, the, the, it's, yeah. All right. So why would God allow persecution? Because it was the best means to purify and refine the people of God. This means, and I think this is such a cool thing that God does and how he just utterly defeats evil. This means every time evil takes its best shot at one of God's people, it only serves to strengthen them and make them better. It only seeks to make them more fully alive. It only seeks to conform them more into the image of Christ. It only seeks to enable God's people to reflect God more fully. I think this is amazing. And so in order to persevere through suffering and difficulty, it's not enough to know that it's coming so that it won't shock you. you got to know that God is allowing it because it is the best possible way to produce the best possible results for the most possible people for the longest period of time. Got to know it. So what if we started this week and every week with this attitude and understanding? It's highly likely that I'm going to experience difficulty this week. Get that in your head. This week you're going to experience difficulty, right? And then what if you're committed to this week? Through Christ, I'm not going to let it overcome me. It's not going to happen. I will not be overcome by the adversity I'm going to experience this week. And thirdly, what if you had this attitude? God's allowing it because he is refining me. He is purifying me. This is the best possible way to produce the best possible results in my life. What if you had that attitude? That is why I so appreciate the part of the apprentice prayer that states this. I seek to live as your apprentice in all that I do today. My life is your school for teaching me. And then, dear Father, I ask you to ordain the events of this day and use them to make me more like Jesus. The third and final thing that Daniel needed to know to persevere through his life and the difficulty that he experienced, and the third and final thing you need to know to keep on keeping on is this. 
God promises everlasting life to his persecuted people who persevere to the end. Look, in the final days of the world as we know it, when Satan sends this evil ruler, the Antichrist, and does his best to oppose God and oppose God's people, and God's people get to the point where they have no fight left in them, verse 1 tells us that God's people will be delivered. And that's kind of how God works. He makes it crystal clear that it is his power that is bringing deliverance, right? Just when in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. And look, we know how he's going to deliver his people. We know it from the rest of the Bible. Check this out, and it's just amazing. 2 Thessalonians 2 tells us the fate of this extremely demonic and powerful evil ruler that Satan will send to cause God's people to suffer greatly. Check this out, 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And then the lawless one, this is the evil one, will be revealed, whom the Lord, check this out, will consume with the breath of his mouth. And destroy with the brightness of his coming. That is how powerful God is. He breathes and he destroys this extremely powerful and demonic ruler. He is so glorious, so holy, so morally spotless and pure that the radiance of his appearance destroys the enemy. And you know what comes after that? The resurrection. When we ha- what we have in Daniel 12, 1 through 3 is perhaps the clearest Old Testament passage that speaks to the resurrection of God's people. It's phenomenal. God's people, the one who till the end have wisely choose to follow and love the true king of the world and serve the true king of the world, and who have turned others to him, firmament will be raised to everlasting life, and they will shine like the firmament, like the stars forever and ever. Jesus says something very similar in Matthew 13, 43. He said at the end of the age, then the righteousness will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. At last, God's people will be glorified. At last, they will finally reflect their creator perfectly. Their physical body made new. The work that God used persecution for, you know, the transformation of God's people, their heart and their minds will be complete. At last, God's people will be doing what they were always created to do, reflecting the brightness of the radiance of the one who destroys the enemy with it, right? And what becomes of the wicked? Those who persist in wickedness, those who, as Daniel 12, 4 said, go to and fro looking for knowledge and understanding apart from God, they will be raised to everlasting contempt. Look, everybody lives forever. Everybody experiences resurrection. Just 
depends on what you're going to be resurrected to. Matthew 13, 40 through 42, Jesus says the same thing. The Son of Man will send out his angels, so Son of Man is Jesus, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus will remove the wicked from the earth. He will cast them into the furnace of fire, a furnace of everlasting shame and contempt, so that the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God. Revelation 11 speaks of this glory day, glorious day. In verses 15 through 18, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. In the time of the dead that they should be judged. And that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great. And should destroy those who destroy the earth. How do we persevere through life's difficulties even persecution itself. We expect them. We commit to overcoming them through Christ. We trust that God is using them to refine and purify us, and we look forward to an eternity living with the resurrected Jesus and resurrected bodies on the new earth, totally purged from evil forever. That is what enabled Daniel to persevere. That's what enabled the New Testament saints to persevere through extremely difficult circumstances. That's what will enable us to persevere. Our present circumstances are not worth comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed in us and to us. These light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So stand firm. Keep pressing forward. Don't give up. God will give you the grace in every situation and circumstance you find yourself in. It will all be worth it. God promises us that, and he's yet to fail. He, and he's never failed to keep a promise, right? This morning, we get to remember Jesus' perseverance. That he experienced difficulty that no other human being will ever experience. That he experience that invisible war most fully and that because of his love for each person in this room he didn't quit he didn't give up he didn't he wasn't completely overcome by adversity no he pushed through to honor his father and to love you and to make it so that you can be a part of, this, of the people, the group that's resurrected to eternal life. Ha, do you know him? Have you come to him through repentance and faith? Is he your king? When you're raised from the grave, 
will you hear him say, come into the kingdom that I prepared for you? Are you one of the wise that see your need for, for a savior? Or are you one of those people that is trying to figure out life all apart from God and therefore you're cut off from him and will experience resurrection to everlasting shame and contempt. If, you're, if you've chosen Christ, uh, we invite you to the table. We invite you to remember Jesus running the race. We invite you to remember that he didn't quit, that it was the marathon of marathons, and he reached the finish line for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you ran the race perfectly, that you knew from the beginning that you would experience difficulty and challenge and persecution like none of us have experienced or will experience. And yet you still chose to run the race and you so relied on your Father, you so relied on the, on the Holy Spirit that you were never overcome by adversity to the point where you gave up, you quit, you stopped pressing forward. And we know, Lord, that you did that because you love us. That as you were sweating drops of blood in the garden, as you were talking to God the Father, is there another way? You were thinking of shame. You were thinking of Mary. You are thinking of Sarah. You are thinking of Chloe. You are thinking of Dean. You are thinking of each person in this room. How amazing that you love us so greatly. And Lord, you call us to follow you in running this race of faith through the difficulty and the challenges, sharing the love we have for you and the love you have for us with other people so that they can have what they need to persevere and so that they can reach that destination of eternal life. Lord, I pray that we would run it well. I pray that your Holy Spirit would so fuel us. I pray that when we're tired and we want to give up and when we're so weak and so spent and so poured out, we would think about you in the garden, you on the cross. Thank you that you experienced the shame and contempt that we deserve in our place so that we can experience eternal glory. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.